welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. Hello, Thriver, and thank you so much for tuning in today. We have an action-packed, value-packed conversation for you today. And yes, we are going there. I heard it said that it's not polite to talk politics and religion, but we're going to talk about both. So I just want to invite you into a unifying yet thought-provoking conversation. I have a few friends with me today, and they are going to introduce themselves, starting with my boy, Adam. Hey, my name is Adam Ventures. I'm the campus minister for the Metro Baptist Collegiate Ministry in Little Rock. Uh, so there's some different schools in Little Rock, college universities, and I do work on different campuses. I'm married to my wife, Lindsay, and we have two boys, Bo and Rigby. So Bo's four and Rigby is three. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's me. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Irvin Waswa. Uh, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, just northwest of Nashville. And uh, serve as the campus pastor of uh, Tyler Town Church, campus of Living Hope Clarksville. And uh, we have been in our new building for eight weeks. Lord's really blessing it. We get a chance to baptize five this upcoming Sunday. And so uh, excited to see how God's moving and working uh, out here in Clarksville. Hey, guys, this is Matthew Weaver, and uh, I'm originally from Georgia. And uh, living in South Carolina for a little bit. Now I've been living in the New Orleans area uh, since 2014. Uh, went here for seminary and then I've uh, been married for about three and a half years to my wife, Emily. I'm one of the pastors at Vintage Church in uh, Metairie, Louisiana, and uh, reaching people in the whole New Orleans region. And I've uh, been, been doing that for several years now. And then also serve as one of the camp pastors for Mission Lab at the seminary that all of us went to in New Orleans. And so that's a little bit about me. Well, Matthew, Adam, and Irv, just want to say welcome to the show. Here we go, y'all. So we're going to start off with a quote by Kerry Newhoff. He said, a divided nation needs a united church. And a lot of us right now in the United States, we are divided between red states and blue states, and even a lot of division within those states. Some turn red, then they turn blue. We're divided between Republicans and Democrats, conservative and, and liberal. And the U.S. presidential election, I mean, as a U.S. presidential election is, quote unquote, apparently over. There's some things going on with that. And we're going to jump right into it. So which political party is the true Christian party? I guess I'll kick us off. And uh, I think that's a good question. I think it's something that probably a lot of us have thought of. But I think this election has probably made us think of it even more. And my first thought that I would share is this is a bit of a trick question because I think the answer is neither. Um, And I think the reason the answer is to that, I think there's a lot to unpack there. But at the end of the day, Uh, no political party can substitute the kingdom of God, right? Can fully align with the kingdom of God because it's man-made. And uh, both, both parties have flaws. Both uh, maybe have some things they agree with, some things that we disagree with and we agree with. There are some things that if, if you unpack it, that they probably both 
some things that may tend to point a little bit more towards things we believe about uh, Christianity and Scripture, and some things that are just completely anti, right? And I think you can you can probably find a little bit of both in each. But that would be my first thought: is that is that neither of them are because they're not they're not found on uh, the Christian worldview. Um, so I'll kick it off with that with uh, those thoughts there. Irv's, Irv's the pastor, so I want to know how he shepherded his flock. I and mean, I'll tell you what I did <laughs> on the college campus when we started, you know, going wild. <laughs> oh man! Okay, Adam, I see you. Um, yeah, I think Matt is, is uh, I mean, he hit the nail on the head there. I think in short, you know, the, the answer is, I mean, Jesus, who he is, it transcends uh, politics, whether you're red or blue, uh, whether you're, you know, voting for a donkey or an elephant. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, as Christians, I mean, we worship the lamb, the risen lamb, you know, that being Jesus. And, and so our focus should uh, be on uh, him first, uh, and he should transcend uh, both political parties. And I think for the uh, Christian, the the big thing is understanding that uh, we can uh, still, hang, <coughs> excuse me, hang out in fellowship uh, with folks that may lean uh, blue or lean red. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, Jesus is the one that unifies us, and so uh, I think at the for us. Um, our response, regardless of whether, you know, uh, someone leans red or blue should be uh, to, to love them. And so uh, in short, yeah, I think Matt was on it. Uh, you know, uh, I think Jesus transcends politics. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the, the party question, I think I would fall in the same place. I think there's two things that I, I feel like I've been talking a, a lot more about, mostly privately, is like when talking to somebody about the issue of party or representative or president or whoever you're voting for, on some level, the Bible isn't silent about like how we take its principles and apply it into this world. On some level, all throughout the Bible, there are principles that we can apply that kind of give us a guide. I mean, that's one of the things that we think about the Bible, that it's a lamp unto our feet, a light into our path. We hide its words in our heart, hearts so that we don't sin against God. And so on some level, like as voting, like people that are responsible in a community and in a society that develops its own governance and that kind of thing, like how do we apply the Bible straight across the line? And how does that play into the party that we vote for? And I, I like what the guys have said so far. Like there's certain things that are like, I think really super like biblical. When you start talking about like human value and dignity and worth, like, I, you know what I mean? Like I, that's a, that's a Christian worldview that gives us the ability to value others. Even if we have no value for them, like like just be able to care for people that can't care for themselves to give of our lives for people that wouldn't give of themselves or don't, you know, rank and file up the way that we normally would in any kind of hierarchical system. Um, so I, I think that's one thing is how do we make the Bible applicable to who we vote for? And I think the second one is, is how do we do that in a way <laughs> that has 
how do you do that in a way that you also realize that you might be wrong? Like that you're going to apply, you're going to take these biblical truths and you're going to fight for what matters. Cause I, I think that's kind of the point, right? We, we read the Bible. We even painstakingly try to make it applicable to what's going on in our lives. And on some level at the end of that, like what if, what if the application of that is not right? You know what I mean? And we see this a ton in scripture with how the nation of Israel did certain things in the old Testament and they thought they were following the will of God and, and they weren't, you know what I mean? Like, and there's even these moments like in, in Joshua where they don't do certain things that the Lord said, just based on like compassion and stuff like that. And it was, against the will of God, you know? So I, I think those are the two big things. How do you make the Bible's principles applicable to the party that you select? And then how do you have enough humility to think, I'm, I still might not be right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think it's hard. You know, I think it's hard for all of us because at the end of the day, it, it ain't fake, you know, like all this stuff is super real. It's super real how it impacts our cities and communities and, uh, in our nation. And like, like one of the things that we were talking about is like, like there's going to be something that impacts my healthcare in the next six months. You know what I mean? How much I pay and the rates that I put forth, all that kind of stuff, like undoubtedly, like something is probably going to happen with COVID, you know, due to all this kind of stuff. So, I, I mean, that was, that was probably a little bit too much, but when it comes to party, but, uh, but man, like, I, I think us trying to figure out, you know, what's worth wrestling over in the Bible and making the application towards, you know, our life. Um, I think, I think that's worth a conversation if that makes sense. And so I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. I feel like you guys came out swinging because I really appreciate your boldness to speak because as, as pastors and ministers and people in the public, it's not the easiest or the safest thing to talk about because people make assumptions. And I just want to, this is a real people, real talk. I'm going to give you guys a news flash. There are Christian Democrats. Right. Come on. And there are Christian Republicans and life is so nuanced. People are so complex. It's not oh. always a either or like, there's this myth that people think that every Trump supporter is racist. Mm. And as a black man, I can't tell you that that is so much um, that that is not the truth. I literally right. had dinner um, this past weekend. Uh, it was a Latino couple and a white couple. And the white couple said that they, you know, they was going to vote for Trump. And they treat me like I was their own brother. And which we are because we're brothers, brothers in Christ. And then on, on the other hand, every Biden supporter isn't a baby killer. I just think the enemy will try That's to right. use us to paint broad, you know, strokes. And so, you know, there, you know, there's this thing called the, the liberal left and the religious right. And so with Republicans, um, as Adam said, like pro-life, that is a thing that Christianity is all about valuing life. And I would just say to that, God cares about the born. He cares about the unborn. And the born. So the same way we speak out for the unborn, we should speak out for the born <clears throat> as well and care about people from sure. the womb to the tomb. And so people, you yes. know, they, they will hang on to that one thing and say, well, they're pro-life. So the Republican Party is the Christian Party. And on the other end, they would say, well, the Democrats are the Christian Party because they take care of, of the poor. And there are scriptures all throughout the Bible of taking care of people less than you. I think it was um, in the Ruth. As they were um, gathering the harvest, they were told to leave some on purpose for those that didn't have as much. And so I would just say that they, they've said it the right way already. 
Christianity transcends political party. And so I would just say, hey, do your research, be a good citizen and do your civic duty. And so with that thought in mind and Irv, we'll start with you. How should the, how should the body of Christ respond or better yet, how should the body of Christ lead during this time in our nation? Yeah, uh, great question, Paul. I think first and foremost, um, we should I talked about this last Sunday. You know, we see it in Ephesians four, uh, you know, when Paul is talking about uh, the Christians in Ephesus walking in unity. And he talks about, hey, we've got one faith, uh, you know, one baptism, one Lord that statement there. And what he's speaking to is this, he's telling the Christians there to uh, focus on the things that unite us, even though, you know, you had two different, you know, uh, groups of people there, Jews and Gentiles, right. And then come, you know, come into faith uh, and, and being united. He says to focus on the things that unite us at the end of the day. And it goes back to that first question, you know, uh, in us talking about how Christ at the end of the day, uh, supersedes right political party and where you stand. And so I think that's first, uh, focusing on things that unite us, uh, which is Christ and walk with him and doing the work that he's called us to do, make disciples. Uh, but secondly, I think, you know, for us, we ought to be open and willing to have conversations with folks that, um, you know, may sit on the other side of the line uh, than we do, um, than, than where we are. I think uh, it's necessary for us to have those conversations and not just write off that person either side. Cause I've seen it on, on both sides. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Democrat writing off the Republican, right. Cause, cause of who they're voting for and vice versa. I think instead of writing them off, you know, choose to sit and have a conversation, you know, Paul, we're called to be countercultural, man. Uh, and in a culture that's preaching cancel culture, Hey, cancel this person, cut that person out that doesn't have the same thoughts and beliefs as you do, uh, man, as Christians, we ought to stand against that and say, you know what? No, we're going to have a conversation. We're brothers and sisters in Christ at the end of the day. And so we can sit and have a civil conversation. So I think uh, for, for uh, me, that's what, you know, that, that should be the first place Christians start. Adam, anything you would add to that? What Irv has, has said? Um, man, so I, th- I think the example that's given to us by Christ is what, what unites us. And there's this really funny parable that's in Luke chapter 10. And it talks about what, what son, if he came to his father and was hungry, if his son asked him for bread would give him a scorpion or asking for an egg would give him a snake or something like that. Or maybe it's the other way around. But it's supposed to be a hyperbole. That's what it's meant. It's meant to be this ridiculous claim like no good father, if his son was hungry, would would give his son a snake or a scorpion. And, you know, principles there that I, that I like a lot is that the greater love governs the lesser love. So and out of that, what you get is if if our heavenly father is perfect. That means that he has the ability to give us ultimate gifts for our lives. He's perfect. And so, and if we who are inherently sinful can understand what a good gift is, it's a how much more so, how much more so does our perfect heavenly father give us ultimate gifts for our lives? So if we can understand like a a decent father giving his son a gift, perfect gifts from God. And so I think when we're talking about unity, like 
I think sometimes what we do is we allow for other things to like have our allegiance or have like our loyalties over God. So, and, and this is, man, I'm just watching Facebook conundrums, you know, like I was watching a guy, a, a professor at a university that's very esteemed apologetics professor. And, and one of my friends that I know made a comment about like, oh, I can't believe you're getting tricked into this as well. And just kind of went on a little tirade in the comment box on Facebook. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, like surely <laughs> there is this great love that we should have in God from Christ that regardless of where like certain like lower tier tertiary beliefs kind of manifest, like we have this great love for each other because we're in Christ. And there's no way that that should ever separate us because we're in Christ. But what happens is, is we have these tertiary beliefs that impact, you know, a lot of different things in society and they're, they're important. And I'm not saying that they're not, but they're not, a, they're not the greatest possible love. You know what I mean? Like it's not the greatest ultimate end that we could have. And man, I, that, I don't know. That's just one of the things we're talking about unity and, and not division and that kind of stuff. It's like we get into these, like these subset beliefs and we forget like that we have brothers and sisters in Christ or, or we don't really learn how to like hash it out with somebody, you know what I mean? In a way that's meaningful or whatever. And so that's what I, I wish we could just always recapture that in the unity part that like, like there's a great love that we have in Christ that's exemplified to us through, you know, Jesus. And man, I don't, I don't think we should lose that. I think that should not be like secondary to, you know, like, I, I don't know, some particular voting block point. So, Yeah, I think uh, it's hard to follow all of that. I think that was really good. I wrote this down before the episode, um, kind of in relating to this question, but this thought came to my mind. <clears throat> the disappointments of politics should remind us that Jesus is better. So it really doesn't matter which political party you lean towards. You're going to be disappointed in some, in some way, at some point. I mean, you're never, ever, ever, ever. I don't think, correct me if I'm, maybe if I'm wrong one day, tell me, but going to find a president that you just completely agree with everything they do Mm -hmm. Um, or anybody in office in any capacity, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to find that because that's just not super realistic and, uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there that maybe agrees with another person completely, but it's super rare. And I think, uh, as Christians, I, I love what Adam, I love what all, you know, you guys said, but like, um, that's, that's, that's like this political mess, this, this season and everything, like as, as hard as it's been to watch and to, to just lead in the church and, and, and help people navigate things. I think one thing it's done for me is clearly reminded me of, my identity in Christ that if I didn't have Christ, man, I'd be depressed because I'm looking at the news. I'm looking at everything. And if I'm not this, if I didn't vote for this person or vice versa and my president doesn't get elected, I'm depressed. And so Christians don't have to be depressed because our hope is in Christ. It doesn't mean we don't play our part. You know, we play our part. So that's the thing we also need to remember is like Christians do have a role to play in this but we do it 
with the perspective of a Christian worldview, knowing that we, as scripture says, right, we're to submit to those authorities that are, are over us until a compromise of scripture, right? And then, you know, that's another conversation, but we, we, we respect them, we pray for them, but we don't hold them to the level that we do Christ, like Adam said, because mm-hmm. our, our worldview is bigger than politics. And so, um, and I think another thing I thought of, man, this is, I think this is something I learned a lot, <clears throat> Paul, when you and I chatted um, with the last episode on racial reconciliation is like, we all need to think bigger than our immediate context. So when it comes to people in the church, like how the church should be, I think as Christians too, what we're tempted to do is just get in our little bubbles and we just live in our bubbles and we think everything should be conformed to our bubbles. When there's just a lot more, it's like what you said, it's nuanced, right? There's a lot more going on out there than what we're experiencing every day. And so as Christians, we need to keep that in mind and know that people in our congregations and our ministries are dealing with a lot of stuff. They have way different backgrounds than us. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know why they voted who they voted for. There's just a lot more going on. So we need to be really slow to criticize and get on those Facebook rants and start, yeah. start accusing people of this and that and start, assume, right. you know, start assuming that they're this or they're this or they're this because we really don't know. If we really have the time to sit down and unpack stuff with people and really have a conversation, we probably think again before we posted or said something. So, yeah. And just to be clear to the listener, yeah, we're not against politics at all. We want you guys to yeah. do your civic duty and to vote. But this is just a friendly reminder that our identity should not be found in horizontal things such as politics, but our identity should be should be found in the vertical in this Jesus Christ. And the only thing I will mm-hmm. add to that before we go to the next question, in the words of the one and only the great Black Panther, he said this, now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. In time of crisis, the wise build bridges but the foolish build walls. We must find a way to look out for one another as if we were a single tribe. And so the church should be leading from the place of love and leading from the place of unity. But the opposite of unity is division. And I'm just curious to know, and Adam, we'll start with you, but what causes division in the body of Christ? Um, yeah. So division, I think, <laughs> always just comes from not understanding what's what holds the whole thing together. Um, you know, and I, when I, when I thought of the unity and division, um, man, I, I'd, I'd like to share just a real quick story. Um, so I was in new Orleans. Um, some of y'all know this, but I worked, uh, at a inner, inner city community, uh, center there. Um, and there, a lot of what our conversations were had to do with race and actually, while I was the youth pastor at the church plant there um, is when Alton Sterling shooting happened. And man, that was like in Baton Rouge. And so that just recoiled back into new Orleans super quick. And, and I just remember us like we were in this, like for, it was like that happened on like a Monday or Tuesday night. And it, the only thing that made sense to me was that Thursday we were going to talk about it because it was so prevalent. You know what I mean? And, and then I remember all of us sitting there and 
like I had some awesome pastors um, that we had like a diverse pastoral staff. And I just remember all of us with the students and everybody, we just, we just had this conversation. And so, th- and this is what happened with this conversation. There's some things that got said that didn't make any sense because they really hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about it. And then there were some things that got said that made a ton of sense, like, like enlightening to the max. But the thing is, as a person, you don't know what those things are until you say them, until you get them out there. And then that's when the Colossians bit of, of Jesus holding everything together and everything kind of has the imprint of God on it. And that's where I feel like, man, and I feel like we've, we've let the conversation of God get hijacked by all these other people. Come and on. so when it comes to like the Proverbs 27, 17 of just as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Well, I don't know the last time you got hit by a baseball bat with somebody else with them trying to sharpen you. I mean, that's not, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but what does is us having a a conversation and because we're having a conversation, I'm going to find my word. But I think what, like what we have to do as a brotherhood or as just as a community is we have to create a space where we're united by Christ and that's what holds us together. And we understand that Jesus, and it has to allow me to be able to say things that, that aren't true because unless I throw those things out there and then they're contended with in a space where all truth can be molded around, well, that's when you actually figure out what's true and what's, you know, what's not, but we just kind of sit. And this is what I, I just hate that people have essentially hijacked the Christian conversation that leads to ultimate truth. And we settle for all these pseudo Christ and pseudo gods, meaning that they're pseudo conversations because they're never going to be pointed toward ultimate truth because they're never going to be founded in Christ. They're founded in humanitarian efforts or whatever else. Not that those things are bad, but they're not ultimate, you know? And so I think that's what I would say about what, what has to unite us is, is Christ but also we have to have conversations, man, where we're contending with one each other, with one another in, in spaces that are meaningful mm. um, and not just saying things, you know, whatever. Like Irvin has every right to tell me, hey, you're dead wrong, man. And I need to hear it, you know. Mm. Wow. Man, that's a good word, Adam. I appreciate you sharing that. I was going to say, Paul, to answer your question, I heard a quote today, man, that uh, really spoke to me. And I believe it's part of the reason why we see a lot of division in the church. Um, sadly today, a lot more, you know, Christians are more concerned about being right than they are about being righteous and walking in righteousness. Um, you know, I think sadly that's, that's become the reality. So, uh, you know, person a in any kind of given conversation, man, they're more concerned about them being right and, and their way being the right way to the point where, as Adam mentioned, I mean, it's it's almost tone deaf, um, you know, them hearing another person's point of view, uh, you know, regardless, you know, whether it's a, you know, a white Christian speaking, you know, um, sadly out of ignorance about something. Uh, they might have right things to say, but I mean, um, they're tone deaf. They're not listening to the, the black Christian's perspective. Uh, and so because of that, there's dissonance that takes place, which causes that division. Uh, that we see. And so just to piggyback along with what Adam said, I, I really uh, believe there's got to be a space for 
a true conversation. Obviously, we're going to come in with our preconceived notions, uh, come in with our uh, presuppositions, our thoughts on things uh, in which we believe. But there's got to be a space to have uh, real dialogue uh, and be more concerned, you know, about being righteous. Right. So, uh, you know, exhibiting the fruits of the spirit. I mean, listening, being patient, uh, you know, having humility, uh, practicing self-control when you hear something that you may not agree with uh, in conversation. There's got to be more of that instead of this uh, concern about uh, being so dogmatic, so pragmatic about, uh, you know, uh, what you may believe about a certain tertiary issue. What we talked about here in particular politics in this context. But, but yeah. Yes. I want to add one thing to that, and it it's all around this theme. I think we're all talking about it. Of we don't know how to disagree. Like, yeah. if anybody disagrees, it's like the world's going to end or something. Like, people literally don't know how to disagree. And, you know, I, I'm saying I'm putting myself in that. I've struggled with that before, but I've learned through life experience, through having different – surrounding myself with different people, that you have to learn to disagree. And – the only place in the entire world that you should be able to really disagree and then still walk away loving one another and being unified is the church. Like I, there's no other scenario out there where you can truly have that lasting unity that is built on a strong foundation that can even sustain disagreements. Right. So uh, Philippians two real quick verses three, three and four. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, like Adam said. So that's one of the problems I think we're dealing with is all the stuff that's going on. We're all we're disagreeing and we don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to how to do that, really. And then. Um, you know, there's definitely, I think what we're seeing as well is there's, uh, you know, there's the maturity. Like, I mean, I'm not speaking from any kind of, I mean, we're all immature in certain ways. We're all a work in progress. But the state of the church, you know, the country couldn't be more divided. So we look at the state of the nation, it's just divided, right? Now, what, what my fear is, is that that's making its way into the church. And the church is beginning to imitate the country. And I think that's what we we're trying to avoid. And we, we don't want that to happen because Christ calls us to unity. So this this uh, we have to, like Adam said, create safe spaces. We really have to be discipled. We really have to be in the word of God. We really have to be self-controlled. We really have to live in the fruits of the spirit. Like we have to resist spiritual immaturity. We got to take it up a notch and we got to be who Christ has called us to be and, and like seize the day, right? Like this is an opportunity for the church to truly be the church. And I think that it's on the line right now. And I think, you know, we're imperfect. We're not going to always get it right, but this is a great opportunity for us to um, show the world that Christ is the only way to disagree and still love one another. So many good nuggets in this conversation thus far. And I, I, one thing that stuck out is the fact that you said it's okay to disagree. For example, I wholeheartedly disagree with Irvin stance on who is the goat of basketball. For some LeBron reason, James. Exactly. 
Uh, where's that mute button? For some reason, <laughs> he thinks it's LeBron James. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, well, a little doubt, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is to go. But even though we wholeheartedly disagree, and you can check our phones, we have had arguments. Well, not arguments, just disagreements <laughs> after disagreements. That's right. It's the same argument over and over. But yet, I still love him as my brother in Christ. And so to the listener, I know this is a podcast, you can't see us, but Adam and Matt are white, Irv and myself are black. And I know that the conversation is bigger than that, but you, you can check other episodes. I've had people from the Latino community and the Asian community as well. So I just want you guys to kind of know where we're coming from. I feel like division is the oldest trick in the book. I remember this class hey, I took, I think I took it with you, Irv, uh, church history. Um <clears throat> I don't remember that much because I use all my skips in that class. But from what I do remember is that (laughs) what I do remember is that division is the oldest trick in the book. You look at church history, you have the big old Catholic church and then Martin Luther is like, uh, -uh, it's time for a reformation. Then you have the Protestants. Then under the Protestants, you have many other denominations. And one of them is um, Baptist. Well, wait, there's more under the Baptist. You have the missionary Baptist, the Southern Baptist, the full gospel Baptist, and so many more. And so I said that to say this, we, we can't keep losing to the same tactics of the enemy. And really division is the lazy way out. It's the easy way out because unity takes work. That means that if I disagree with Matt, I got to hear what he has to say, maybe disagree with him and love him anyway. And as Adam said, give him room to be wrong. So unity takes work and it takes intentionality. But the Apostle Paul said it better than me. Um, Ephesians chapter three. I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter four, verse three through six. It says to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, there's going to take some work as the Bible says to make every effort. And as uh, my brother Irv alluded to earlier, there's one body, one spirit. Just as you was called to one hope when you was called one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God, father of all, who is over all, through all and in all. And so with that in mind, I'm just reminded that God calls us to make peace, to be peacemakers, to walk in unity. But what does that what does that really look like? I know we are ministers and pastors here on this conversation, um, but I want to take this conversation from a Sunday morning sermon to like a Monday night um, practical application and Matt we'll, we'll start with you but what does unity and being peacemakers really look like I think uh, yeah I think I'm going to go back to this idea of um, assumptions okay I think you mentioned it earlier uh, we got to be careful to not make assumptions of others before we even have a conversation so um, going back to disagreeing. I think within, this is in a Christian context is what I'm talking about right now, what you're asking. We can disagree, but as Adam said, our ultimate aim is for all of us to move towards the truth, the, the word of God, right? We, that's our conviction. And so um, we all yield and submit to God's word. So whatever our worldview is, whatever our bias is, whatever our thought is on an issue, on politics, on anything out there, we as Christians are called to filter it through the word of God. And so I think if we're all trying to do that with all of our struggles, 
that is our ultimate aim. We can be unified around, around that and, and peacefully as we disagree and struggle through stuff, we're all struggling towards the same aim. We all want to be closer to Christ. We want to be more like Christ. We want to glorify God and obey his word. And so that's our aim. And so I think that's one thing to keep in mind is as we disagree, as we struggle, as we go through these hard times, let's look to God's word first. What does God's word say? Oh no, God's word challenges my thought. I got to be okay with changing my thoughts, right? Um, I got to be okay with saying, God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong here. Help me change me here. Um, you know, I talked about widening our context. I think all of us need to have friends that are different than us. We need to be hanging out with people different than us. And some of us have to be more intentional with that than others, depending on where we are, what we do, what our circle's like. And that's like, we all need to stretch ourselves there. And, um, and that, that shapes us as well and helps us think about the bigger body of Christ, not just our little, our world, you know? So, um, I love I love uh, the idea of more conversations. Like Adam said, like we gotta we gotta be willing to help each other process stuff within a safe community. That is the church. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be tense. Like this should be the place where we, even if it's awkward at times, like we're all trying to get to the same place here. So, um, and you know we should pray. We should pray for our leaders. I mean, scripture is very clear about that. Whether you agree or disagree with who's in office, you're called to pray for them. So at the end of the day, when all this is said and done and we have an official president in 2021, we need to pray for that president. We, whether we agree or disagree or whatever, like that is our charge as believers is now let's not keep getting hung up on 2020 and what happened with the debate and all of this and that. No, no, no. Whatever happens, like we are called to pray and Christians are called to honor and, and to do our best to, to, to pray and be humble. Um, so I don't know, multiple thoughts there, but. Multiple thoughts, but good thoughts. And before we go to Adam, I just want to remind the listener that people are not your enemies. Hmm. The enemy will use people, but at the end of the day, the people are not your enemies. Once again, the Apostle Paul said it best, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And the only thing that I would add add to that is we should give grace to people. And I feel like this is a Mm -hmm. common thing that if I have a conversation with you and you say something that I don't agree with or rubs me in the wrong way, I should have enough um, Christ in me to speak the truth and love and say, Hey, that, that hurts. Or I disagree and then see why you think that way. And so Adam, I want to hear from you, bro. So in this story in Genesis, the, the, primary point that comes from it is that you should wrestle with God in such a way that you are physically marked by him. I think that's a, a, a neat, has tons of applications, but your, your, your walk with the Lord should be so strong that it is in, it impacts every part of who you are. And it's, it's physically visible how much, how much so that, that you're marked by God. And so that's what, I, so that's a, a thought. And then the other one comes in Romans chapter twelve, where it says, 
do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, and there's just, just real quick, just, uh, so do not be conformed by patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to test and discern what is what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. So, I think taking those kind of, those two thoughts and kind of smashing them together a little bit is I, I think we should be informed. Like I think with just very practically the things that we think about immigration and about, you know, civil civil rights issues and with humanitarian efforts and with financial things and with global environmental issues. Like I think we should be informed. Like I think we should think like not just like God thoughts, which I think that's part of it, but you know, like global warming, it doesn't talk about that in the Bible. I don't think, you know, not to my knowledge, but we got to figure out something about it and we need to figure it out in such a way that when we talk about it to people that are around us, it should at least be compelling what we think. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked by this sometimes. But as Christians, sometimes we cop out of so many conversations and we have the God of all truth with us. Meaning that if, if it's all, if God's truth is all truth, it should be, it should be self-evident that it's truth. Meaning that I shouldn't have to, like when I'm talking to somebody that's a non-believer, like my view should at least be compelling to them. It doesn't mean that it, it is going to be. But they should at least be able to be like, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, but that actually makes sense to me. And man, I'm like, just when I listen to other Christians talk a little bit, some of their views are just, they're just not, they're not compelling. Hmm. And I'm not saying that they're not founded in things that aren't truth. Like they very, they, they very well might, but the way in which they talk about them is that they're super uncompelling. And I just don't think like if we have truth on our side as Christians, I think we need to access that a little bit more and think about it enough to where we're thinking about like literally the definition of information is in formation. Like the two, like the Latin compound of that is there's some formation going on when we take things into our body. And so in into our mind and we read them and we process through them with words. And so if that whole process is how truth is developed, then I think when we go to the voting blocks or when we go to talk about things out in the public forum and stuff like that, we need to figure out a way as Christians to make our words compelling to people that don't know who Christ is. And, and on some level, I think part of that is, I think we should be marked by God. I think we should wrestle with him in such a way Mm. that we're playing out how we think and develop political beliefs and stuff like that. It should be marked with that dude walks with the Lord, man. So that's, that's just, that would be my thought, I guess, with it. Mm. No, that's great, Adam. That's great. Um, Just to add on to that real quick, just practically, uh, Paul, I I would say one, uh, we, we need, as believers, uh, more folks that honestly pray before they post, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, on social media, uh, you know, spend time really thinking and praying before they post something, going back to that other comment, you know, uh, 
is it worth the you know potential to divide here for the sake of getting out you know what's right in your mind and mm. I, i'm not i'm not saying um you know I, to uh, to be shy from speaking the truth right in in love uh what i am saying though is we've got to avoid being antagonistic we all know those people that are like that um you know they're they're looking to get through that just to be antagonistic you know their view of what's right and so i i think you know that's that's the main thought um you know and and i would agree with adam too just being informed but also making sure that uh um uh we're we're going to uh one having the word of god be our our main source for one um seeing what the word of god says and that being our main uh, source of truth but in other ways too looking um uh looking at other uh sources that um uh, align with you know what the word of god says uh, as well and so uh so yeah that's what i would say just practically speaking man we uh we need more folks that pray before they post on social media um so man pray before you post on a previous episode episode 42 we talk about some do's and don'ts of social media and that is so um so vital for the time that we in now uh, think before you speak and pray before you post this is friend this is not the time to be snarky or petty i just want to encourage you don't lose your witness in this season there are some people that I, I've seen post certain things. And to be honest with you, if I didn't know the Lord and they invited me to their church, I would say, nah, I'm good. Just because of their pettiness and how they are posting things that's, um, you know, it's not posting or speaking the truth in love. And so like a final thought here, as we're talking about being able to disagree and still be friends, as we're talking about speaking the truth in love, uh, one one thing I think me and Irv was talking um, a couple of months ago, that unity doesn't mean uniformity, which really goes into this conversation that we've been talking about, that we should be able to disagree with, with somebody and still walk in love. I want to give a scripture here and then we'll give like the final thoughts from the panel. Um, Psalms 133, it says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then in verse three, it says for there. The Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So the Lord bestows his blessing where there's unity. I just wonder, as the body of Christ, what blessings are we missing out on because we fail to walk in unity? So last thoughts from you guys or other questions like we're free here. I was going to I was going to add the thought and then I'll just kind of wrap my thoughts up is you know, we don't have to fear, you know, and I think, um, uh, I've definitely had to catch myself, uh, multiple, multiple times this year, even, uh, even actually earlier this evening, I had a couple of thoughts about some anxiety thoughts, um, just about a couple of different things and, and definitely the events of COVID, uh, the election, the unknown, um, there's just a lot of things going on and, we can say all day that we're not affected by it, but we are affected by it, you know, but we're affected by it because we're human and we live in this world right now. Um, but we're not defined by it. Right. And so, um, we have to catch our, I had to catch myself earlier tonight and and journal some prayers down, which I haven't, it's been too long. And 
and that the Holy Spirit calmed my anxiety in those moments. And I had to remind myself that, hey, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't have to fear. I know how this, I know how it all ends. You know, I've read, you know, I've read the Bible. People say I've read the Bible. I know how it ends. Right. Uh, and it's true. Like we know that Jesus um, is coming back one day to make everything right. And, and we're going to live in a perfect new heavens and new earth with him. And this lifetime, the pales in comparison, Paul talks about that. I consider these sufferings, they're just, they're nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. So when we think about the bigger picture as a Christian, like, man, this has a purpose right now. God wants us to bring heaven to earth, bring the gospel to people, be the light. And one day we know that there's not going to be any more sin or anything, no more pain, no more sin, no more division. It's just going to be us and Jesus, you know? And so don't, fe- don't fear. Cause I've seen people already post they're talking about posting. I've seen people posting um, fears and, and stuff that they have about who's going to be president and how that's going to change different things. And they're fearful, fearful already or they have been and they've posted about it. And I've, you know, I caution that, you know, like, because the more that you, as Urban said, the more you put out there that brings a spirit of fear and division, people will take hold of that and run with it. So, and it spreads like crazy. So Christians, you don't have to fear. And then my, my final thought would just be just with the idea of being, of being um, unified is uh, the church is the one place. I said it earlier that true unity should be able to happen. And it's a beautiful thing because we're all so different, but we come together under the umbrella of Christ and we glorify God. And all that does when it's happening, like that Psalm passage says that you just read, it, it, it shows God off to the world. God is the only one who can unite people like that from different backgrounds, skin color, experiences, everything. Jesus can only do that. And when we live in that reality, man, we are showing the world just how great God really is. When we don't show the world that, we're not giving the world a good um, picture of who, who God, who Christ is. And so we've got to check our hearts in that. And, and if we really want to change the world for the gospel, we need to imitate um, how he wants the church to look. And it's a unified, diverse church rallied around the gospel so um so i, I want to read just a just a verse um it comes actually out of job chapter 28 and and it's kind of this um I, I don't, it's just a passage it's a passage about wisdom and how to be wise and it starts out like this. It says, there's a, a, there's a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. And then it asks this question and asks it repeatedly in this, in this particular passage. Uh, but it says, it says where, where does wisdom come from? And where, where does understanding dwell? And in verse 23, it's the center of the whole thing, but this is what it says. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. Mm-hmm. And the, the passage is supposed to kind of invoke this imagery of mining, 
like if, if you were digging down into the earth's core and trying to bring up diamonds and gold and all this kind of stuff, but it's the contrast or the metaphor that's there is, is that the only person that knows those things, those deep hidden treasures uh, where they are is God. And so when I was just thinking about like, you know, politics and unity and, and people and how to, you know, how to come away with like from a voting block to living out your life daily. Like, how do you live in such a way that makes us wise? I think that's kind of at the core of what politics is. How do we enact policies that would benefit everybody or that would benefit the majority of people? Like, how can we be wise in those things? And I think for all the listeners that are out there, what my encouragement that comes out of the Bible is, is that the way of wisdom is the, is the way of God. Like for us to be more wise in this, in this life, like it's like the way the Bible portrays it, it's, it would be worth us spending every day mining the treasures of truth that are inside of the scriptures in order for us to have one takeaway that was worthwhile and it was wise. So if there's ever a truth that we can mine out of the scriptures that would make us more wise in this life and how we treat people and how we deal with them and how to, how we maintain um, unity and, and not division. Um, that would be something that would be worthwhile and it would never, never grow old. And I, I think that the counter to that is that there's some truths and I say truths in quotation that people live for all the time and they're not ultimate at, at, at best. They're going to be a truth that it gets lived out in a four-year cycle of a presidential term. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but they, they can't be the most important. And, and they can't be the ultimate thing that we live for. And so what I, I think my encouragement for every person is to search deep the truths that you live for in this life. And as much as you can try to find things that are ultimate that you can live for and, 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 and live for them, like try to enact policy over them, all those kind of things. Um, but try to be wise, be wise with God. Man, that's, that's real good, Adam. I don't know how I can follow that up. That's real good. Really. Um, but uh, I think, you know, takeaway for me uh, would be, uh, I don't know if some of you listeners are, um, uh, you know about the book by Dr. Richard Nybar called Christ in Culture. Uh, he speaks to, um, you know, five different uh, beliefs, you know, of Christ in relation to the culture uh, of today. Uh, you've got some folks that believe that, you know, um, this idea of Christ against culture, meaning that, uh, you know, hey, culture is living one way. We separate ourselves and we don't have anything to do with them. Uh, you've got other uh, another belief that speaks to, you know, Christ being above culture, which is similar in the sense of, uh, you know, Christ is, you know, high and mighty. So we are to live that way uh, and not actually be in culture at all. Uh, and then, you know, there's uh, the belief of Christ actually being in culture, right? The the fact that he's actually the transformer of culture. Uh, and I believe that uh, one way that, you know, Christ wants to use the church to uh, transform the culture is us choosing to walk in, in unity uh, and to be united in spite of our differences. Uh, as Paul mentioned, 
you know, he's not calling us to, to, uh, to walk in uniformity. Uh, that's the definition of a cult, <laughs> uh, is walking in uniformity. Um, but, uh, but the call is for us to be united, uh, in spite of, of what we look like, in spite of where we came from, in spite of our political differences and opinions, uh, because the reality is the gospel message shines brightly, um, to a culture when that is walked out and lived out. Uh, and so my encouragement to the listener, man, if you uh, follow Jesus, is uh, to choose to be um, uh, Christ in culture, um, choose to step into culture and where we are now, uh, and choose to love, uh, uh, you know, your fellow brother and sister in the faith uh, and let Christ transform the culture that's around you, uh, you know, for his glory and purpose. Man, what a conversation. I know in this episode we went Longer than usual, but the topic needed to be talked about. I feel like if culture is screaming about something, the church needs to be just as vocal um, about it. And so I'll end with how we started. Karen Newhall said a divided nation needs a united church. As you kind of synthesize what we talked about, have those intentional conversations with those that don't look like you, think like you, vote like you, or even go to the same church or denomination and to build bridges and not walls. And there's a balance here. Um, Irv pointed this out perfectly uh, as uh, with this balance, but don't please don't let politics divide us as the body of Christ, but let Christ unite us. So it has been a real pleasure having this conversation with my brothers in Christ, Adam, Irv and Matt. Thank you guys so much for your time. And I just want to say thank you to the listener. I, I don't take it for granted that you take time to listen um, each week. And if this is your first time listening, I just want to encourage you to start with episode one and binge all of this good content. I promise you that you will not be disappointed. And if you are enjoying this podcast, you already know what to do. Share the link with your friends. And so today uh, we're going to end differently. Today is Veterans Day. So I invited I'm a veteran to tell us how to go from surviving to thriving. All right. My name is Alan Adams. I served. Uh, in the 82nd Airborne Division, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Went in as a medic, changed MOS midway through my career. I was responsible for a uh, small group of soldiers trained in weapons. That's that's really about it. And in your opinion, how do you go from surviving to thriving? I would say take it very serious. Always try to do well, regard, regardless of um, the circumstances. Because we were always taught mission first, and it, it paid off as far as my, my military career. I was blessed to do a lot of things while I was in, um, go, go a lot of places. Just work hard. Just work hard. Uh, my name is Dana Boyd Donald. I am a veteran and I'm a retiree. I retired as a lieutenant colonel, and I currently work in the East Baton Rouge Parish School System as a JROTC instructor. I'm the senior arm instructor here, and I've been here for over seven years. I retired after 27 successful years in the military. And in your opinion, how do you go from surviving to thriving? Well, that's a great question. And the best way that I can describe that is I have always, always had had God first in my life. So anywhere that I deployed in the military, the first thing that I would do is I would find me a church home. I've always had God in my life. So every time I would move somewhere, um, that would be my thing to lean on. Uh, as I can say, I was leaning on him and and he kept me through all of my insanity. So I can say that's how I 
I was able to thrive. And so thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. Episode 44 is a good one. It's life lessons from a Christian millionaire. Tune in. LeBron's a goat.